listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 The Houston Texans fired David Culley. We're after... starting right there, baby. We're All right, starting let's right do it. there. Because we got an insider. So you were in Houston for over 10 years, right? Yes. And you were at ESPN there in Houston. And eventually you were in the drive time afternoon, afternoon drive, as they say. How, you know, over the course of that time, had uh, on average the highest rated show amongst the sports shows. So a lot of success down there. But... You were not beloved by the Texans. Now, I tend to just give facts. I don't tend to try to editorialize. Is For at one point you had, for the Texans, and tell me if this is correct or not, at one point you had a you know the press credential that the leading show from the leading uh, station in town would naturally have, but then somehow, some way, through, uh, I, I guess, only your actions, but I mean, I don't know, it was revoked. It was revoked. I agree with everything except through my actions. Okay. I mean, most people don't think they are wrong. So, but that tells me you're a straight talker, that you weren't saying necessarily nice things about the taxes. Rarely did I say nice things about them. Okay. So, what this surprises me, David Cawley, my take here, former head coach David Cawley, eight and nine against the spread. Now, when you go four and 13 and lose by 10 points a game, and you go 8-9 against the spread, and literally ATS margin was plus, plus .1. So they actually <laughs> covered the games by more than they lost, even though they lost an extra one against the spread. Then you look at Davis Mills, someone that you were, I mean, to the point of saying, did, did you say they, they could have burnt that draft choice? I, mean, I did. All right, well, I think we had to reevaluate. If you look from week 14 on, and you look at PFF's grade, number 19 in the NFL. Now, you could say, well, what's week 14 on? The guy's a third rounder. The guy, it was a project, and he had a stint, and then he uh, Taylor came back, and then 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. That's not, a, you know, that's more a handful plus of games. He is almost average. And you know what? We can look at it when you're answering your question, but I think during those same weeks, none of the rookies except Mac Jones, I think, exceeded that. I'm thinking he, of the six rookies, the five first-rounders and him, I think he's going to be number two. And if so, doesn't Cauley get credit for that? Thoughts? I think he does get some credit for that. Uh, I, I was still that, was it like a crumb cake on the way out the door? What did he get? Well, he didn't get anything out the door except the the remaining money on his contract. But I don't. I still don't think Davis Mills is an NFL quarterback. Well, I mean, if you're 19, that means you're about average. And 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 he was trending up, up, up. He had one good game. No, that's after just week not 14. true. That's it's fundamentally true. true. Well, I mean, if you well, how what, do you, what is the word fundamentally? I mean, it's it's what objectively it's objectively true. I should have said. Okay, so let's do this. Let's set Davis Mills aside for a second. What we can have research do is I like to see the game by game, uh, sent 14 onward, and I like to see each game, and I like to see the QBR and the PFF grade. You continue though. Davis Mills, or excuse me, David Culley was a, a bad hire when they hired him. He's a guy who's never been anything more than a position coach in the NFL. Okay, now everyone's got to have a first job. Sure. Most I mean, guys. For a head coach is good. Bill Belichick once wasn't a head coach. Most guys become a coordinator somewhere along the way or mm-hmm. something and prove it's, it's steps. Well, I mean, maybe, but uh, I mean, in general, especially with these offensive players uh, or coaches, 
oftentimes you'll see that their coordinator and name only, like under Andy Reid, like Peterson really didn't call plays, right? And he won a Super Bowl. And now we can look at um, – we don't want to talk Nagy necessarily, but I think in general that you're right. But, but look at Staley, one year as a coordinator – so, but Houston wasn't paying a lot of money. They were paying, he, he was the lowest paid coach in the league. Yeah. So I think considering that they went budget, he did pretty well. I don't disagree. Okay. I, and like, again, this is not to say that they made the right hire or they made a real NFL coaching hire, but with the roster they had, knowing they weren't going to be good, that's what they did. But now you're firing them after one year. This is just another example of what bad organizations do. You've mentioned before the Steelers having three coaches basically in, in your lifetime. Since 69. <laughs> and now the Texans are firing guys after one year. It's, this is what the Giants, three times in a row they've had two-year head coaches. This is what bad organizations do, and it's hard to get out of this cycle once you've gotten into it. Now, let me pose the following. So how bad do you – in general, how bad do you think Houston's – is as an organization. They're the worst organization in football. All right, the worst. And 32 of 32. Now, why, why, what makes you feel that? They have a dopey owner. The, the owner died. He put his did son you, in charge. Did you see his ACT score? I mean, uh, no, <laughs> but I've met the man. Trust okay. me. Wow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> this is it, the, the, when the owner, when Bob McNair did, died. Did security rush up when you talked to him? <laughs> no. <laughs> when Bob McNair died, his son is who the company was left to, and he's not the most competent. And okay. and that was a sense that I had when uh, the father passed away. Uh, you know, I read through the, uh, I'll say, quote-unquote resume, and it wasn't impressive. It, fe- it felt like a very classic, rich, you know, again, I'm looking at it from uh, a distant perspective, but it looked like a, a rich man's son's resume. It's like Roman being put in charge on secession is what it's like. Okay. How many episodes have you seen? <laughs> I just saw where they tried the, uh, the they, they, they tried the vote of confidence and failed. That's where I'm at. <laughs> okay. So um, I think Roman is probably much brighter. But okay, fair <laughs> enough. For those that don't watch Succession, great show. Okay. Um, what are some of the a- – so you're judging not the actions but the actual traits. You're saying he's dumb. And – I'm not sure we can ever really know that because really what we do is we equate articulateness, how articulate people are with intelligence. But a lot of people are very bright that aren't articulate. And we also, let's be candid, you've been on the side of the media, the side of the fans are looking at you behind the glass and you do something that you know maybe you couldn't help, but it's like that was dumb what AJ did. Anyone in the public eye at all, and being a radio guy, you're in the public eye somewhat, is you know that the criticisms coming from the peanut gallery oftentimes are not warranted. Sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. What are the actions that uh, the Texans have made that make you say unequivocally the worst franchise in football? Making Bill O'Brien the general manager was the first mistake that he really made. Uh, bringing in a guy. Now, in- what do you say? It's Bill O'Brien's fault for even taking the job. I mean, he could have easily said, "Listen, I can't do both of these jobs, and I have no experience as a GM." If you are a guy who's got power in an organization, and someone offers you more power, rarely are you going to say no. I, you're right. It's this. I, I think that's a mistake. Oftentimes, I agree. You know, there's a great story. 
about the Revolutionary War, right? So George Washington won as the general. And there was like, if you think about it, there was uh, seven years between winning the war in 81, 17, 81, I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, or it might have been 83. But either way, the first president wasn't until 88. So there was like the Continental Congress in that time. And um, they asked, they were talking to, I think it was King Henry over in England. And they asked, uh, Henry asked, well, what's George Washington going to do now? He goes, oh, he's going to go retire back to his farm, you know. And he says, what? He could be king of the United States and or whatever it was called, you know, the colonies. And he's going to just go home. He goes, if he does that, he's the greatest man that ever lived. So in a way, saying in Washington ultimately did, then he was elected president. Then after two terms, he chose not to run a third and started that to FDR went the other way with it, but <laughs> not judging, but, but, <laughs> but the fact is, I think you're making a great point. If you, if they're talking about just not taking over as King is making you the greatest man that ever lived. Then if you're the coach that in every coach is going to question the GM's moves, why not be the GM? But man, at minimum, why don't you put in a guy that knows how to do the operational stuff? You sit and veto over it. Why? I mean, he, the fact he was negotiating trades, that was a problem. Well, he brought in a guy to oversee that. And well, it was, who was that guy? He was the team chaplain of the New England Patriots. Okay, so Jack, Jack Easterby. Easterby. Okay. Made now, him the executive VP of football operations. Okay, so my understanding is, and and my only insight into this, and Sports Illustrated did a number of articles on that, right, on Easterby? Yes. Um, A fan, you know, I I talk with, and a fan of Mike Lombardi, who was with New England uh, with years, uh, with Casario, the GM, and with Easterby, and he had nothing but positive things to say. So what I'm saying is I, I think having him on the dartboard doesn't cut it for me and I also don't think it cuts it to say you used to be this, right? There's a great line. I'll quote one more thing in The Sopranos, where one time at the very end of the whole show, they're like, Bobby Bacala's number three? I mean, He goes, I remember he was a waiter not that long ago. And the guy goes, well, you were selling stolen computers out the back of your Crown Vic. You were selling them. So we all got a pass, right? At a certain point, you were whatever. I mean, Easterby, by all accounts— was wanting to get into the football side a long time. And if I'm not mistaken, he was really involved with the Kansas City Chiefs too, right? And 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 oh and on, I don't know how much of the football he was involved with there. Okay, but was he with the Chiefs first and the Patriots second or vice versa? I think Chiefs then Patriots. Okay. So I mean, what part of the football decisions? Like, like they got a GM. What is Jack Easterby doing? Well, they, on remember the they didn't have a GM for for some time. Like, mm-hmm. but once Bill O'Brien was the GM, and then he he was there with Jack. When they moved on from Bill O'Brien, Jack became the interim GM until Nick Casario came on board. And how long was that time? Several months. Okay, and they didn't make major moves. No. Yeah, so he was. Yeah, so I guess my point is, can we point to something Jack Easterby did and say that's a, a big problem, or, or is it like, hey, they're doing some screwy things? It must be the guy that used to be the preacher. There are people who will tell you DeAndre Hopkins was traded for reasons non-football related. But Bill O'Brien was there at the time. He O'Brien, was. Yeah. There, there are people who have told me from the organization, players on the team have told me it was not Bill O'Brien's call to well, do that. How would Bill? How would players know whose call it was? 
It's a good question. Right? I mean, it feels like this is how the art... And again, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying it... it, it it's now the the theory is correct me if I'm wrong that Easterby has gotten close with the former you know the the passed away owner's wife yes the widow now that's a good way to say thank you is now who has she command, actually owns the team yeah, she has command and control yes okay so you know. I don't know about that, but it's like, you know, obviously, if they're making decisions based on that, not a good thing. Obviously. Yeah. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. All right, RJ, the Indianapolis Colts GM Chris Ballard says he is not ready to commit that Carson Wentz will be the team's quarterback for next season. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We're going a little deeper, a little <laughs> verbatim here. All right. Let's it's going to make it confusing, but okay. Well, it's initially perhaps, but then the confusion is going to give us insight. You, see, you know what I'm saying? Okay. If someone says something that doesn't say anything, that says something. You want me to repeat that? No. You got it? Okay. (laughs) Now, here's what – this is the quote. When we made the decision after Philip retired and we made the decision to make a move on Carson, at the time of the decision, (laughs) we felt good about it. Of course you did. Otherwise, you don't make the decision. Now, this isn't Ballard. This is AJ interjecting. Um, okay, but you make an interesting point. At the time of the decision, we felt good about it, meaning they weren't somehow at gunpoint. They weren't somehow coerced into doing something they didn't want to do. They did what they wanted to do. Every divorce guy felt good about getting married the day they walked down the aisle. Maybe not. There are shotgun <laughs> weddings. But, but, but I hear you. I hear you. Okay, but I think the point's been made, but let's just say it playing without, you know, flat is – he has not said anything yet. When we one more time, when we made the decision after Philip retired, and we made the decision to make a move on Carson. At the time of the decision, we felt good about it. At least he didn't say the decision. And I still don't regret the decision. Oh wait, that makes sense. But then it says at the time. <laughs> what in the <laughs> hell does that mean? I still don't regret the decision. Did he mumble it at the time? I mean, <laughs> so really, if he's saying if he could go back in time and only know what he knew at the time, he'd feel good about he'd it. He'd make still. the same decision he did at the time. Yeah. And he might still be here wondering what he's going to do next year, but he. Okay. But then, sitting here today, outside of my time machine, just so you all know, you all know. I won't make a comment on who is going to be here next year. Now, wait a minute. That's even worse than I thought. He's not saying who's going to start. He's not saying are we going to bring in a a real competitor for the spot. We won't say who's even going to be here. He might be banned from the state of Indiana. (laughs) Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz, who finished top 10 in QBR this year. Is that right? Yeah. 27 touchdowns, 7 picks. It kind of makes QBR have to be retired from the show, I think. You think so? Well, let's just say this. Davis Mills had a better trend line at the end of the year. <laughs> oh, certainly, the last few games. Okay, but let's, let's get serious here for a second. But then, then the, he double talks again. That's not fair to any player. So, once again, I won't make a comment on who is going to be here next year. 
and who is not going to be here next year, that's not fair to any player. Huh. So if, huh, if the Steelers say, you know something, T.J. Watt, you're going to be here next year, and we're going to have welcome you with open arms. T.J. Watt, that's not fair to me, coach. <laughs> I mean, what the H? <laughs> I mean, this guy, you know what he reminds me of? First of all, let's make something straight. Chris Ballard is one of the most popular GMs in the he media. Is well-respected. A buddy of yours that used to, you used to manage um, in uh, Houston is like good Very friends, good friends with, him. with him, yeah. A scout for NFL Network. Yep. Lance Erline. Yeah. And Colin talks about uh, uh, him a good bit, too, with his insights, Lance. So, and Colin knows Chris Ballard also and, and seems to be fond of him. I, it, this feels like a guy that has, like, a much less intelligent partner. All right? So let's say that, you know, guy, girl, whatever. It might be a girl with a guy. But the partner's much less intelligent. And thus, they can do pretty much whatever they want. And, and let's say he says, well, why were you out last night? I wasn't out. And if it's like, but the, I didn't see you. Were co- oh, no, no, I was somewhere else. Okay, honey. Like, it's like anything that he says, people are g- nodding apparently because now that it's getting scrutiny, how could he think this was going to pass mustard? It's very odd that he would think it would. And the fact that he's saying, like you said, it, it's not fair to anyone to say who will be here next year. It's it's perfectly fair to everyone to it's, let them know where they stand. Exactly. And the season's over. If the season wasn't over, I could, I mean, maybe it wouldn't be good business for him to do it, but it's not about, and plus, if, if it was unfair, it would only be unfair to the players, the negative, but even the negative, the players that weren't going to be there would want to know it, you would think. Like, imagine someone said, what's the future for Quentin Nelson, or what's the future for Jonathan Taylor or Darius Leonard? Wouldn't it be fair to say? <laughs> it's not really fair to discuss. I can't say where they'll be next year. All right, so last thing here. We, we really do got to understand, though it's ridiculous, this is a sign that, one, all he's done is getting much more attention on this, right? much more attention. But there's no way he can be even neutral on Carson Wentz, or you wouldn't say this. No. And it, it really makes you wonder— Gave up a first. You gave up a third. You have, is it $16 million? $15 million dead cap 15 if, you, million, if you cut him this year. If you cut him, it's $15 million. Like Jalen Ramsey, same last name as the chef, but he's a cornerback. He is about $15 million, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And the other options on your roster right now are Sam Ellinger and Brett Hundley. Well, obviously it's not going to be that, but the, I mean – you give up a first, you give up a third, and $60 million a dead cap for a year in which, since week 14, Davis Mills had a better QBR. <laughs> he was 19th, and Carson Wentz was 24th. Yeah. And that's, you know, week 14 wasn't yesterday. That's PFF grade. Oh, that's a PFF grade. Okay. Even more important. Because I don't trust any more. You're done with QBR. At least this year, I think. Because Carson Wentz, <laughs> I mean, let's all just ponder for a second. If Carson Wentz was the 12th best quarterback in the league by some measure, what do you do with that? What do you do with that measure? Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Hey, this is Jason McIntyre. Join me every weekday morning on my podcast, Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre. This isn't your typical sports pod pushing the same tired narratives down your throat every day. Straight Fire 
gives you honest opinions on all the biggest sports headlines, accurate stats to help you win big at the sports book, and all the best guests. Do yourself a favor and listen to Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm going to give a game. I'm going to give a prop. And you're giving a prop. Let's do it. And tomorrow, we're giving two sides. So you're going to have five best bets at minimum for this weekend. And I'm betting every one of them. I'll start first with my side. Then we'll go to AJ's prop and then my prop. The New England Patriots plus four. Why is this? Okay, home field advantage is two, two and a half. In division, two is going to be high. So let's call it two. So that means that Buffalo is better than New England, at least based on this line, by a significant degree. Because to get to two to two and a half, okay. But to get to three is gigantic. To get to three and a half is gigantic. That's the most key number in the NFL. And then to get to four is another tick. All right. What's the case that the Bills are better by that amount than New England? I'm not sure there is one. I know New England's done not as great lately. And I know you could say, hey, Mac Jones, you know, in the big games, he's been just a little short. And I think that's the whole point, a little short. They covered against Tampa Bay. They cut or they should have covered against Dallas. Touchdown in overtime, that was a tough one. And they were, when Josh Allen played, one of his greatest games of his life, the second matchup against New England. New England dropped a pick six that would have given them the lead with like six minutes left in the game. I mean, literally, it was a drop, and it was clear sailing. Now, listen, even if they score there, it's probably 50-50 what happens. You know, Buffalo's going to probably have two shots at it. But still, when you play the best game of your career, your quarterback rushes the ball like a dozen times over 100 yards, throws it great, and Mac Jones has one of his worst games, and it's that close? And we add one more thing in. The weather is supposed to be right around zero, you know, 10 degrees at kickoff, down to about zero later, wind chill. There's not much wind, but right around zero. All right. There's been 40 games since 1963 in which the temperature has been five degrees or less. So the average score in those games has been 38 points. The real cold, the real cold affects scoring. But here's the piece that people aren't talking about is Josh Allen has a super strong arm that lets him cut through the wind in that wind game, but he doesn't know when to take the heat off the ball. And when your hands are that cold, catching a really hard ball is really hard. So in a way, this feels like it's going to be the wind game halfway in that the teams are going to have to run a bunch. Or if they pass, it's going to be a problem. But New England has already proven that they can run, 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 and just run. And Buffalo can't do nothing about it. Now, if Buffalo's throwing great, the running isn't enough that New England's doing. But if they can't throw great because of this weather, then New England's got the advantage. And I think plus four is probably a slightly good bet without the weather. The weather pushes it over the top for me. 
best bet, New England plus four. My early best bet. AJ, your prop. My prop sort of tails off what you were just saying. Damian Harris, Patriots running back over 55 and a half yards. 214 yards on 28 carries in the first two matchups with the Bills, over over seven and a half yards per carry. And that's in, that's important because Belichick sees cer- certain things against certain Ds, and who he runs, it's not always going to repeat, but that's a good sign that he got so much usage in those prior games. Yeah, and as you said, I think the game script will mean that the ball's going to be on the ground. I when think you for, say game script, what do you mean by that? I think if it's a close what game. What do you mean by game script? As long as the Bills don't jump out what to 28 points. What is game points, script? The way the flow of the game is directing the way you call plays. Okay. Okay. Uh, I think that. The so if you're up big, you're going to run the ball more. You're correct. down big, you're going to throw. Yeah. And in the Patriots situation, if you're neutral, you're probably going to run the ball more than you throw. Especially if the weather's as bad as I thought. All right. So, so repeat that one more time. Damian Harris over 55 and a half rushing yards. My second best bet is a prop. It's a Big Ben. Let's get the latest number up. Big Ben passing yards over. What do we got, McKenzie? 229. 229. Now, why? why? This is actually, as AJ says, game script. But I'll say it like this, game script. (laughs) And what is that? That's when, hey, the game is a certain scenario and it leads to certain play calls. Well, you know what we know about Big Ben is this is probably his last game, especially if they're behind. And he's a warrior. And what happened in the Cleveland game in the playoffs last year that could have been his last game, he threw for over 500 yards in a game that they got down big in. What did they do against Minnesota? He threw for a bunch of yards. What did he do against the Chargers when they went down? He threw for a bunch of yards. Big Ben will go out with his boots on. They'll probably fall behind over passing yards. Big Ben, 